You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that! Shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Steve Lavin from Fox Sports, Obi Toppin from Dayton. He's a high flyer that potentially could lead the Flyers deep into the NCAA tournament. And Miles Powell from Seton Hall, the preseason Big East Player of the Year. It's a couple of All-Americans here on March Madness 365. And the back end of the podcast, Chad Acock from Turner Sports, of course, joins me for our predictions. All right, let's get to the headlines this week in college basketball. At number five. The Aztecs are still unbeaten. I mean, to come together this quickly and to be 15-0, and 0, one of two undefeated teams in the country, is really an impressive accomplishment. San Diego State could run the table. Yes, the Aztecs knocked off Utah State on the road in Logan. That is by far their toughest road game in the Mountain West Conference. doesn't mean they can't lose you know, a couple other spots and there are rough spots, certainly, you know, in the Mountain West. Uh, San Diego State is not a, a dominant team, but they are one of the best teams in the country. And the, certainly the way they defend, uh, you know, is keeping them in a position to where they could potentially be a number one seed. I mean, they are number one in the net, so they are trending in that direction. And looking at their schedule, they do still have to go to New Mexico at the end of January. And that's never easy to win at the pit. You know, even though Boise State is not as good as they've been, not an easy place to play. And then they end the season February 29th at Nevada. Could they drop any of those? Sure. Are they all winnable? Definitely. So we could be looking at an Aztec run of the rest of the regular season. And if that happens... They're going to have to be a number one seed. Headline number four. But the team you have to mention, I think, in those top three is Florida State. Mm. I think we undervalue each and every year what's going on in Tallahassee. Florida State is a real player to win the ACC. Uh, it just took us some time to figure this out. I don't know why, but every year we underappreciate Leonard Hamilton in the regular season. I think in the postseason, we do appreciate because they've had such a great track record. Uh, a couple of years ago, obviously, in the Elite Eight, been Sweet 16. Uh, they are one of the tougher teams to prepare for for any team in the NCAA tournament. So the Seminoles are going anywhere. They are the real deal. And their win at Louisville served notice that they're going to be right there with Duke. Maybe still Louisville, we'll see. But they're going to be right there to win the ACC. Headline number three. The number one team in the country escapes, but not before really being pushed by a Pepperdine team that came to play tonight. Gonzaga 
is going to get tested every game in the WCC. And that's a good thing for the Zags. So Gonzaga had to come from behind to knock off Portland and Pepperdine. Uh, Portland on the road, Pepperdine at home. The WCC is as deep as it's been in years. I think ultimately Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's will get in. Santa Clara's off to a great start, just don't have the non-conference strength of schedule. But they could cause problems. Pepperdine is really good. They just didn't win some of those games. Uh, And uh, clearly Portland's better. So there's so many positive things in the WCC. And Gonzaga's going to have to work for everything. Look, this is not Gonzaga's best team in the last three, four years. But they still could win the national championship. They don't need to be as good as they were last year or the year before. But they're going to be tested because the WCC is much better. Headline number two. Michigan State is on a roll. Seven straight wins for the Spartans as they knock off their in-state rival, the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan State remains undefeated in the Big Ten. Michigan State is the clear favorite in the Big Ten. I may get pushback on that. But I firmly believe the way Michigan State is playing right now, they're playing like the preseason number one, playing like the favorite to win the Big Ten. Cassius Winston's, talk about here in a second, playing like a potential All-American Player of the Year. Xavier Tillman, the role guys are all filling in the way they should. And they've already won uh, at least one road game. They're going to go on the road later this week. We're going to talk about that when they go to Purdue. Uh, But I I think they're the clear favorite. They've not had a, you know, just a bad loss. If someone wants to push back at me and say Virginia Tech was in Maui, fine. Uh, They did not play well against Duke, we know, and in the opener against Kentucky, they lost. But there was no script for what they went through, okay? The fact that Cassius Winston's brother passed away, there was no way to to figure out how they were going to handle that. It's clear how he was going to handle it. Coach Izzo, the rest of the team. We cannot dismiss that that, you know, it affected them on the court. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. And Cassius Winston at this point, I don't think anyone would say he, you know, you can't get in his head and and I've talked to him. He's not over anything. He's just in a different place in his own grieving process. And he may have days where he goes back. Of course, that's, that's natural. It's human nature. But on the court, he's playing as well as he's played. Really, you could argue all season. Um, and I, I, I think they're the clear favorite right now in the Big Ten. Headline number one. Howard gets by Samuels. Little floater is good. He is carving Villanova to pieces right now. How about that? Miles Powell dropping dimes. Winston step back. Jay. Wow. Wow. He's just having a ball out there. The player of the year race is back to being led by senior All-Americans. Cassius Winston from Michigan State. Miles Powell from Seton Hall and Marcus Howard from Marquette. If we're going to go to a fourth player, then it would be Obi Toppin, not a senior, from Dayton. But those first three, I'm going to say right now, and I, I didn't know this maybe a week or two ago, but I think the National Player of the Year comes from one of those three players. And they're all tremendous representatives of college basketball, of their universities, of themselves. Um, it, it just will be great to see one of those three win it because I think they'll handle it incredibly well. Uh, so I, I think the player of the year is going to come from one of those three. They're now playing uh, really as well as they've ever played this season, and I fully expect them all to lead their teams 
to high finishes, potential championships in their respective conferences, uh, and um, deep in the NCAA tournament, uh, at least the first two. And Marquette, you know, at least deeper than they went last year, at least getting uh, to that second round. And those are your headlines in the past week in college basketball. And coming up next year on March Madness 365, Steve Lavin, my friend, my colleague, known him for a long time, now at Fox Sports. We were colleagues long ago at ESPN. In between, he was the head coach at St. John's. Before we met at ESPN, I covered him at UCLA. We're going to talk about his career path and, of course, this season as well. Steve Lavin, right here on March Madness 365. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, my good friend for decades, Steve Lavin, Fox Sports. Uh, Steve, I, I don't even remember the first time we met. Do you? I don't. But I remember you covering UCLA teams. I remember you on the road in terms of covering recruiting when I was at UCLA as an assistant and head coach. And then, of course, working together at ESPN for seven years from 2003 to 2010 when I had a tour of duty uh, with the worldwide leader. And then here we are again after you covered our St. John's teams and now at Fox Sports and FS1. It's been uh, a good run and great to be back with you. You know, it's crazy, Lav. I, I, we were talking off air when we were here in L.A. this week. Um, do you remember uh, when we were in Chicago covering the draft combine and we were in a car late after dinner and we looked to our left underneath. We were under like the, the L under the train tracks there. And who comes out of just some door with a stogie and look like a long coat? Who, who was it? It was Michael Jordan, number 23, arguably the greatest player in the history of basketball. And uh, it looked like a scene out of Casablanca in terms of uh, Claude Rains and Humphrey Bogart walking off into the fog in that uh, great movie. But um, I don't know if he was smoking a cigar or coming out of a card game, but uh, or maybe he'd just gotten a late night bite. But uh, that was a fun moment. Yeah, I mean, we always kind of wondered, like, you know, if you followed him, whether as he was a player, you know, not as a player, you just kind of wonder where he would be. And it was just one of those bizarre things where we literally were at a stoplight. We looked to our left and there he is. All right. Before we get to the season, when you look back at your coaching career and I want to go back to your influencers with Gene Cady, obviously your Purdue family, John Wooden, um, you know, UCLA, St. John's, the Purdue experience. What, You've had so many great experiences. What, what pops out to you? Well, I think naturally the national championship in 1995 holds a special place because UCLA, uh, a blue blood, one of the great programs in the history of basketball. And to be a part of that staff, uh, Jim Herrick, the head coach, Mark Gottfried, Lorenzo Romar, and myself, uh, to be able to bring back the 11th national championship banner and the only national championship in men's basketball at UCLA that was won by someone other than John Wooden, who won 10 national titles during his 27 years at UCLA. So that jumps out. And that was a great team in terms of leadership, too. We had Tyus Edney, George Zedek, Ed O'Bannon, uh, Charles O'Bannon, Cameron Dollar, and uh, some other you know, important figures, Chris Johnson, J.R. Henderson, Toby Bailey. And so that was memorable, 32-1. and one. And uh, learning from John Wooden during my 12 years at UCLA, both as an assistant for five, as a head coach for seven, the opportunity uh, to learn from someone that's from Purdue and uh, is in the Hall of Fame as a player and a coach. And John Wooden's lessons transcend sport. Uh, their virtues and values, uh, lessons that uh, sustain you beyond basketball. And so I was very fortunate 
uh, to be able to learn from John Wooden. I love the fact that when you went to St. John's that you brought Gene Cady back. And, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he left the Purdue family, hands it over to Matt Painter. Uh, he'd been retired. Um, that decision, when you look back at that decision, what do you think that did for you and for Coach Cady to, to just, you know, make him relevant again in the national scene and to bring him back to be with you? Well, it was another one of the high points uh, in my coaching career because he gave me my start in 1988. And everything that's happened to me in basketball uh, in terms of the college game uh, began with Gene Cady opening that door for me. So to be able to bring it full circle and have our mentor or my mentor on the St. John's staff um, helping coach the coaches, giving his perspective, his wisdom. I called him the basketball oracle or our basketball uh, Buddha or our Mr. Miyagi of basketball. And I think it helps to have a range in terms of different generations on your staff, um, just like having a range of teachers um, on staff at a grammar school, high school, or college. Um, Gene Cady had such great insight, and he had seen so much uh, during his career and coached at so many levels. And so I remember him telling me that for him to agree to come, he wanted a certain salary that I won't share. He wanted, you know, a supply of cigars. Uh, good Cuban cigars during the basketball season and a supply of Maker's Mark uh, during the basketball season. So he'd spend five months in New York, seven months in West Lafayette. And uh, it was a great marriage and, and some great memories and a way to pay him back uh, for the opportunity he gave me. You know, during that time, you had your own cancer battle um, and you look great. You feel great. I mean, where are you at in all that in terms of Completely in the past, or how, where is everything with that? Yeah, I've been cancer-free uh, for nine years, knock on wood. And I go in every three or four months to do my blood work just to make sure uh, that I'm still in the clear uh, as it relates to cancer. And so uh, I feel good. But naturally, I'm getting older, 55 years old. So, uh, But at least any none of my struggles have to do with cancer. Well, you don't have many struggles, but anyway, <laughs> um, you're, you're, you know, I love just, I mean, I, obviously, you know, I love working with you and, and some of the, your sayings and all that. I'm curious, when you were coaching, um, you know, some of the, the things that you come up with, how, how much did that come up with in the huddles where you would throw these sort of zingers and maybe your players are thinking, oh, you know, that's pretty funny or what did he mean by that? I think, you know, the good teachers I had uh, were able to hold their students or their pupils captive uh, in, a, in terms of a captive audience uh, so that you continue to learn. And so I think you have to find fresh, lively, original ways to say things, uh, to engage with younger generations. And so uh, I borrow from others sometimes and uh, others I make up myself. Uh, but a phrase like, let's get back to sharing the sugar uh, is something that I think young people understand. And then you'll hear them start to say it amongst themselves. And uh, so I think like any good teacher, parent um, or coach, uh, you have to continue to find ways uh, to reach young people, how to best bring forth or at least get them closer uh, to their full potential. And uh, part of that is language and communication. UFOs was one of my favorites we had over here in L.A. Unidentified flying objects, better way than saying bricks. Absolutely. Uh, flying saucers as well. Occasionally you'll see a 
uh, a shot that's a little bit awkward in its uh, release and doesn't even draw iron. And I think a kinder way is to go with the UFOs or the flying saucers. All right. Uh, just to wrap this up, this season, uh, we are entering the conference season here in early January. Um, you know, I think back to like your teams in UCLA in the 90s when there were dominant teams, where multiple college teams had multiple pros. What do you make of what's happened this season where there's been a rotation of teams at the top? Uh, there aren't any dominant teams. Uh, how do you assess what we've seen so far as we're uh, in early January? Yeah, I think we're seeing that continuing trend because of the transfer portal and also players that leave early uh, for the NBA and then the reliance on freshmen uh, because of the void that's left behind with players that either transferred from a program or went went on to the NBA. And so uh, just a compressed margin for error. Uh, there's not the gap uh, between the big boys, the power conferences, and the mid-majors. And so in November, December, we see upsets and then we also see it again in March Madness, in particular in the first weekend. At the end of the day, when you get to the Final Four, um, most of the Blue Bloods or the team's household names uh, end up you know, in the Final Four. Last year was kind of refreshing with Texas Tech and Auburn breaking through. Um, but I still think at the end of the day this year, uh, we're going to see the usual suspects uh, in the Final Four and also at those those top seed lines uh, come Selection Sunday. Appreciate it, Lav. Thanks. Great time, Andy, as always. Take care. And before we get to more interviews here on March Madness 365, it's time for Hashtag Cats Ranks. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. These are my 10 toughest conferences through early January. I'm going to start at number 10. The Atlantic 10, led by Dayton. VCU coming on strong. Richmond, don't sleep on the Spiders. Davidson, a little disappointed in. Thought they'd be a little better. Uh, URI's been a little erratic, but A-10 checks in at number 10 right now because the bottom is not as strong. At number 9, Mountain West. San Diego State, one of the best teams in the country, number one in the net. Utah State, been a little erratic, still pretty good. New Mexico, Carlton Bragg back. They're going to be a factor. Uh... That's where I'm sort of putting them in that ninth spot. This is where there's going to be a big debate on me. I know it. I know it's coming. Okay? At number eight, I'm going the American Athletic Conference. Wichita State and Houston right now, I think, have separated themselves with Memphis sliding back. Cincinnati in that mix as well. Um, Temple has been a little all over the place. Just got drilled by Tulsa. So they've got... You know, do, do they have a, a Final Four team unlike Mountain West and A-10? No, because I think San Diego State and Dayton could be. But they've got some good teams at the top. So that's why I put it in the American 8. Number 7, the West Coast Conference. Here's why. Gonzaga, number one team in the country. They can win it all. BYU and St. Mary's, even though they lost in four overtimes to Pacific. Um... They're going to be in the tournament, and they can win multiple games. It, this league has really improved. Santa Clara is much better. Pepperdine's record doesn't show it, but they are much better. Pacific, clearly, much better. So I think the depth of the WCC right now is really good. They don't have the awful teams at the bottom that they've had in the past. Portland's obviously much better than they were. They didn't win a game last year in the league. Look, they, uh, you know, they led Gonzaga. At number six... The SEC. 
SEC is hitting a little bit of a down cycle right now. It's hurting because Tennessee is not as good and injuries have really hurt the Volunteers. Mississippi State, I thought we all thought would be better. Same with Ole Miss. Um, but at the top, you've got Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas. Those right now are your top three with LSU right in that grouping. Um, so I think they've got four really good. And then the one that's out there that if they can get their act together that would move the SEC higher is Florida. I had Florida as a uh, potential you know, Final Four team in the preseason. So the SEC certainly can move up if Florida starts to play much better. Number five, the ACC. And I could swap these, actually. But, uh, you know, with five and six. I really debated this. Duke, potential title team. I would not dismiss Florida State at all. They could certainly win it. Louisville has the potential, although they have not played to it. You know, Carolina is not the same team without Cole Anthony. Um, And then everyone else is sort of all over the map. You know, when you want to get on the bandwagon for Miami, Clemson, NC State, Notre Dame, Syracuse, um, you know, then they drop games. Uh, NC State has been all over the map. So, you know, you really could put five and six either way, but I think the Duke-Florida State right now, uh, they're right there. I mean, it's 1-1-A with Auburn and Kentucky. Um, All right, and number four. This may surprise people. Pac-12. I'm doing this because I think the Pac-12 has more depth right now. Bottom of the ACC and bottom of the SEC, not good at all. At the Pac-12, you know, you could argue Cal is your your sort of your your doormat right now. And then after that, Washington State's not bad at all. Just knocked off UCLA. Uh, Arizona State got drilled by Arizona, but they've showed flashes. So the bottom is better. Utah beat Kentucky. Uh, Colorado beat Dayton. You know, Arizona, Oregon. Washington, which knocked out Baylor to start the season. Oregon State, which beat Colorado. Um, Stanford, which has got a great net raking. They're off to a great start. So the depth there is what puts Pac-12 at four for me. And number three, the Big 12. Kansas, title contender. Baylor, title contender. West Virginia, possible title contender. Texas Tech, that's four. That's a lot. Big Ten at number two. The reason Big Ten's two, not one, is the bottom. Northwestern and Nebraska, those are the gimme games. And they just got too many teams, so sometimes you get dragged down by that. But at the top, Michigan State, title contender. Maryland, title contender. Ohio State still should be. Michigan will be a second weekend team, possibly. Penn State, second weekend team. I still believe in Illinois. Wisconsin's playing much better. Iowa, great depth. But number one right now is the Big East. And that's because one through ten, they can beat anyone. They can all beat each other. There are no gimmies in the Big East right now. And that may change in a couple weeks. But right now, on any given night in the Big East, you don't know who is going to win. And that's why. The Big East checks in a hair above the Big Ten at number one. So those are my top ten toughest conferences right now through early January.
And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Miles Powell, senior guard from Seton Hall. And Miles, um, I was in the studio the night and uh, you guys were coming off yet another win. Um, and, you know, it was an interesting game the other night because it, it was a great example of your ability to uh, defer in the right moments, take charge when you have to, uh, and also share in the glory, if you will. And I love the fact that you brought Romero Gill over to our post-game interview and made sure that we talked to him as well. Um, you know, at this point in the season, you're finally feeling healthier. Um, how do you feel like this team is coming together at this point? Uh, I feel like we're we're showing everybody that the team that they thought that was one of the best teams in the country, I feel like we're finally playing like one. I mean, um, I just want everybody to forget that we still don't have our 100% team yet. We're still missing the big fella, Sandro. Um, and I feel like everybody's just stepping up. Um, Jared had to move from a guard spot to a big spot. I feel like he's doing a great job. We had a, we needed a freshman to step up in Tyrese. That's a lot to ask for out of freshman. He stepped up. So I feel like everybody's stepping up and playing their role and doing everything they, they need to do for us to win at such an early time in the season is, is great for us. And I feel like we're finally starting to come around, look like the Seton Hall team that everybody expected. Yeah, because in the first half of the other night, I mean, Miles Kale who, you know, in that Kentucky game last year when you guys won, you know, both you and him hit big shots. I mean, mm-hmm. and, you know, you needed him to play like that in that first half. And then Gil obviously is a rim protector and finisher in that second half was sort of, it felt like even though Sandro, like you said, isn't there yet, that felt like a real complete Seton Hall win. Maybe one of the better ones uh, that you guys have had this season. How would you assess it? Uh, for sure. I mean, it, the best part about it was everybody contributed. Like you said, I would, it wasn't my best game, but we had other people step up. Like, it was good for all of us, including Miles Kelly, to see the ball drop in for us. I think he started the game five for five from threes. Um, we had the big fella doing things. That's what I'm saying. So it didn't really matter who was doing it as long as the job was getting done. And I feel like that's the best part about this team. Everybody just wants to win, and everybody just wants to have a good time and, and just do what's right. And then earlier, um, you know, in the week when you guys played DePaul uh, on the road, um, you know, DePaul was coming in flying high, and uh, that was your first game back uh, mm-hmm. from the concussion symptoms. Uh, and I think it was a good test for you guys to see, okay, where's this team at? You're going on the road, a team that had been hot in DePaul, and you guys go in there and you win uh, in a yeah. pretty good environment. W- what did that tell you? I mean, uh, it showed me a lot about this team. Um, all week, me being the, the leader, I just gave these guys a friendly reminder that, DePaul was the only team in the Big East last year to sweep, uh, the, to sweat, uh, swept us and beat us twice. So, I mean, we, we came in there with a chip on our shoulder. We knew what we had to do. Uh, we followed the game plan. They have a great coach over there and Dave Lado. They have great players and, uh, Paul Reed and Charlie Moore. I feel like Charlie's doing a great job of Paul's doing a great job of showing he's one of the best, uh, big men in the league. But I mean, we, we went out there. We played Seahawks Hall basketball and we got to win. I mean, and that's what we're doing. We're about to go to Xavier. Tomorrow after practice, and um, we're going to face a very good Xavier team. But I feel like we're rolling right now. We're playing Seton Hall basketball, and I feel like we're going we're going to show a lot of people. Yeah, I, I'd be remiss. I, I, I didn't mention the game that we were discussing initially. That was against Georgetown, um, and obviously Mac McClung had played in that game. He hadn't played previously, so you got really what Georgetown is going to be for the rest of the season. That was who you saw in that game. Um, you know, it, it just feels Miles, and we've talked a lot this season that even though you guys didn't win. Uh, the two other big games, if you will, uh, when you were playing against Michigan State at home and then Oregon in the battle for Atlantis. You know, you played at a high, high level. I think you played at a National Player of the Year level, and you guys just didn't, you know, you weren't able to close it at that point in the season. 
um, you know, you've had the concussion symptoms, you had the uh, uh, ankle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, where are you at right now, health wise? I'm good. I feel like I'm 100% finally getting back. Um, I don't have no headaches, you know, no nothing. I mean, my head's great. I'm just trying to get back in the game shape right now. How worried were you when you had, you know, one thing after the other? I mean, I was very worried, you know, coming back for your senior year and having little slight injuries like that. I mean, it sets you back, especially when it's basketball, your life, and you can't do any activity for a whole two weeks, and they kind of just shut, shut you down. I mean, it was a lot for me at once, but I mean, uh, that's the kind, that's kind of my story, fighting adversity. So I was just telling myself that it was just God giving me another, 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 another battle, and I mean, I fought it the best way I can, and I mean, I'm back. I'm better. I feel 100%, and um, I'm just going to keep the train rolling. So, look, Maz, I know you don't like to talk about yourself in terms of, like, National Player of the Year honors, but I, I think you're probably paying attention to what Cassius Winston is doing and Marcus Howard. And, and it just feels like to me, in observing this, I mean, this is what obviously I do, that the three of you, three senior guards, um, at this point in mid-January, have now sort of reasserted themselves as all, you know, you know, first team All-Americans, candidates for National Player of the Year. And maybe you took different paths for different reasons and had different things going on and on and off the court that obviously there's no script for. Um, what would you say about those other two players that I think have sort of followed a, a similar path to you there at this point in the season? They're now playing their best basketball in their senior year. I mean, yeah, it was, those are my guys. So, I mean, I wish nothing but the best for them, them too. I mean, I talked to both of them on and off the court. Uh, everybody has off the court problems. It just depends on how you fight them and how you, like I said, fight in adversity. So Cassius, he's a great, he's a great person on and off the court. Um, so is Marcus. I mean, I, I talk to him guys all the time, either on social media or quick text. I mean, so like I said, I'm sending nothing but love and prayers their way. And, um, I mean, blessings. That's, that's all I really have to say. They're, they're great players. And, um, if you don't know any three of us, you're not really, you don't know college basketball. I mean, they're, they're doing a great job of running their team and leading their team. Um, Marcus, uh, they just got a big win over Villanova the other day. And um, Cassius, they just beat Michigan, and he played well, too. So, I mean, um, I feel like everybody's starting to come around. Everybody know what they need to do. And everybody, we, all three of us know how we have to lead our team for us to, to, to end up on top. So, I mean, it's just it's going to be exciting to see who, who finishes at the top. But, I mean, either one of them guys, I mean, I'll be happy. And you just put my name with them. I mean, it's a blessing. Yeah, so I think it's great for the game. You all represent yourselves, your schools, your teammates, your coaches so well. I mean, I think the game is great to have the three of you certainly at the top. But one last thing, um, you know, Seton Hall preseason favorite in the Big East. And I think there were times earlier in the season where you'd say, oh, you know, are they going to really get there? And now I personally feel like you guys with Butler uh, are clearly the two best teams in the Big East. And there's no reason why you can't win the Big East. And, and, and obviously great things beyond that in March. Um, how, how much are you feeling right now? Like, especially once you get healthy, healthy and get Sandro back, that this team will be the team that uh, you all projected. Yeah. I feel like the, like just what you said. I mean, the more and more we keep playing Seton Hall basketball, I feel like we will keep finding ourselves on top. I mean, Butler's rolling right now. Um, like I said, we're going, we got a good test now. We go on the road to Xavier, and then we come back and face Marquette. So I feel like this week can really show us uh, how tough we really are. And, um, I mean, I just can't wait. Miles, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoy always talking to you and tracking you and everything else, and I'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Andy. It really, mean, it really means a lot for you having me and talking to me. 
And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Dayton's Obi Toppin. And if you haven't had a chance to watch him, uh, you're missing out on one of the best players in college basketball and certainly whenever he decides, uh, one of the top picks in the NBA draft. It sounds like high praise, but it's all true. Um, Obi, let's go back a little. Um, how'd you end up at, for those that had not been following you, how'd you end up at Dayton? Uh, coming on my visit at Dayton, it was just a great experience. Uh, it's a beautiful campus and it's amazing the people, uh, around the Dayton community. And, um, when, when I was coming to Dayton on my visit, it was like, everybody was on my social media and texting me like, it's an amazing school. Uh, there's great people around and it's just a amazing environment to be around. So when I came on campus, I felt all the love and, as soon as I got here, I, I told coach that I wanted to come here and I signed on my on my visit. Who else was pursuing you? I also went on a visit to Rhode Island. Uh, I went on an unofficial to Fordham and Georgetown. And uh, there was other schools like Illinois, uh, Georgia and Mississippi State who offered me. But those were the only four schools that I visited. So clearly um, you you know, flew probably a little under the radar uh, yes, and landed a spot that wanted you, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. In what way have you really elevated over the last, you know, 18 months to put yourself in a position where, uh, and I know you're not going to say it, so I'll say it, that you're one of the best players in the country? Uh, just, I, I trust the process. Uh, coming here, like I had to sit out my first year uh, through, through that year, I just worked really hard, uh, did a lot of, a lot of training, uh, other than the, the team stuff. And, uh, I was able to work with the team also. So I got a feel of what, what the game was, uh, like the college game was in practice. And so like, I was getting a feel of it early, uh, my freshman year, the year that I set out, but it was just an everyday grind. Uh, I had to grind out every single day to become the player I am today. And my play, the, my teammates helped me through the process, and my coaches also helped me. So uh, I feel like those are the big reasons why I became who I am today. And so how would you describe yourself in terms of your game? Uh, to describe myself, I feel like I'm just a really athletic, uh, athletic big, uh, can, shoot, can shoot a little bit, and, and also run the floor, and also help on the defensive side. The Maui Invitational, you know, it feels like that was really where everyone really got to know who you are. Uh, you guys ended up losing to Kansas in the championship game. Uh, you blasted St. Mary's. Um, you know, you have a buzzer beater to beat you guys uh, at Colorado. Otherwise, uh, you'd be even higher ranked right now. What did that Maui Invitational, you think, do for Dayton, maybe even do for yourself, too, in terms of confidence? Yeah, going to Maui, playing against those top comp- competition teams, uh, it, it helped us a lot just just because we knew going into there, we wanted to see who we were as a team and us going through what we went through in the summer and in the off season. It was just like we knew the brotherhood that we had and we knew going to that we was going to need to uh, trust the brother the brotherhood that we had and just grind out every single game that we play. And going into there, we knew uh, we had chances to win every single game. And, uh, like the people on the outside didn't think we was going to win, but we surprised a lot of people when we got there and, uh, that's what we wanted. And when we got there, we just, we, we played every game with our hearts and, uh, played every game as hard as possible. And, um, 
they helped us out there with the first two wins, Georgia and Virginia Tech and Kansas. We lost to them in overtime. They're a really good team, but uh, we we seen who we were as a team. We we seen what we were capable capable of, and now uh, in practice, we hold each other to a higher standard because we know what we can do this year. I mean, you knew what you could do, but what did that tell you about? your own expectations and your potential uh, when you go against, you know, a team that's predicted to potentially win the national championship and maybe has players that are higher profile. When I go into every game, like my, my teammates and my coaches put me in uh, great positions to be successful as I do the same for them. And so uh, I just, I trust my players uh, while, while I'm on the court with them and they trust me. And so every time we're on the court, we, we all know what our jobs are to to get a win, and uh, we all we're all really good at what we have to do to help the team win. And so, uh, me personally, like my team puts me in great positions to to be successful, and that's why I love them. And uh, they help me throughout every single game, and they're the reason why I I am who I am today. Yeah, I mean, in the preseason, it was sort of Davidson and VCU. Uh, VCU is still going to be right there. I'm not dismissing Davidson, but you guys, in my opinion, are the clear favorite in the Atlantic 10. Uh, one more thing, Obi. Um, you know, we've seen this so many times where teams, regardless of what conference they're from, can make a great run. Uh, what gives you optimism and confidence that this Dayton team has the potential, uh, once you get there, to, to go on one of those magical runs and who knows, maybe get to Atlanta? Well, first we've seen it in Maui. Uh, we're seeing it against uh, uh, the NCAA caliber teams um, like St. Mary's, Colorado. Like we don't we don't have any regulation losses yet or at all right now. I don't want to say yet, but we don't have any regulation losses right now. And like I, I just know our team, our team's going to work every single day to become better and better. Just because we know when we get to the tournament. Um, we're going to we're going to be a problem and uh, it's going to be a surprise to everybody when we get there. And we can't wait for that. I'll tell you, Obi, that dunk you had the other day over the weekend uh, that had that was uh, Dr. J. Julius Irving windmill like uh, <laughs> the way you flushed that one. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Well, Obi, it is a pleasure, uh, and everyone that is listening, that is following the game, needs to know your name, and they will know it uh, pretty soon. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Chad Acock from Turner Sports. And Chad, it is time for predictions, how I did last week, uh, and uh, some predictions for this week. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I'm on a bit of a roll right now. Yeah, let's get into it. You started off 2020 on fire. Uh, you went nine and three uh, in our first full week of conference play. Uh, you nailed the Colorado upset over Oregon to kind of start your week off. Uh, Kansas beat West Virginia. You got LSU winning at Tennessee. You boldly predicted Florida State would win at Louisville, and they did. I did not think they would do that. I pushed back on you last week, and they came through for you. Uh, Marquette took down Villanova at home. Virginia beat Virginia Tech. Penn State squeaked one out against Iowa. Baylor beat Texas. And Michigan State beat Michigan. Your only misses were Ohio State against Wisconsin, Utah State against San Diego State. They're still undefeated. Uh, And USC did not get a road win at Washington. Washington just hammered them. Yeah, a lot of that had to do, I think, with Washington 
beating or excuse me, losing to UCLA to, you know, a couple of days before that, I think that sort of set up the momentum for Washington to pull off that upset and uh, propel them into the power 36. So, uh, you know, there's no question that um, uh, they look great on Sunday night. And that's why I wanted to put them in. So, uh, all right, let's get to this week. Uh, we are in the midst of conference play from this point forward, save the uh, SEC, a Big 12 challenge uh, that'll occur uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So let's let's get after it, Chad. Yeah, let's do it. Before we jump into it right away, though, I mean, we had a lot of upsets last week, so there was a lot of change in your Power 36. So one thing that the fans kind of wanted to know, Duke checked in at number four. That's It's a respectable number, but I think a lot of fans thought they should be two or at worst three. Michigan State had that big win over Michigan that propelled them to number three in your rankings. But, I mean, this Duke team, they beat both Kansas and Michigan State away from home, and their only loss was an overtime to a Stephen F. Austin team that checked in at, what, number 49 in the net? So, I mean, what's your what's your logic with ranking Duke at four? Well, my logic is, keep in mind, this is not the seeds. Even though it's getting closer to the seeds, uh, because Duke would be seeded ahead of Michigan State, obviously, this is how they're playing right now, who they're beating right now. And, you know, to me... Duke, as well as they're playing, you know, they haven't played in the last week uh, the best teams in the ACC. Uh, You know, Miami is very marginal. That's who they knocked off on the road, even though it was a good road win. Um, Michigan State hammered Illinois at home. An Illinois team that, you know, hammered Purdue and held them to 37 points on Sunday. Michigan State then took part Michigan. Uh, in the second half. And to me, that win was better than what Duke had. You know, Kansas uh, beat a West Virginia team that we had at number seven last week uh, and pulled away in the second half. Great win for them. And that's why, because already I'm hearing from some Auburn fans, like, why would I drop them from two to five? You know, they haven't changed, but who who they've played has. You know, the other teams have played better teams. And you can disagree with my rationale, but Auburn's strength of schedule right now is pretty weak. And so you could argue that even in the past, I was being more generous by putting Auburn as high as I was uh, based on the fact that they were undefeated. But And I did see them with my own eyes. I saw them in Brooklyn. But, you know, look, Auburn beat a Mississippi State team that's been all over the map. And so I want to wait and see what happens with them. And I just felt like Duke, Michigan State, and Kansas uh, all either had better games that they played uh, or better teams that they played or are simply better at this moment in time. Yeah, it's a good point on Auburn. I think this was the first week where I guess the AP and your rankings had Auburn the same. You've been very high on Auburn uh, as they've been undefeated. But let's jump into this week's games, Andy. Another full slate, another 12 games we're going to give you. Tuesday night, number 11, Ohio State, number 12, Maryland. Uh, Ohio State's lost back-to-back games against West Virginia and Wisconsin. Uh, Maryland's as tough as they come at home. Are the Buckeyes going to be able to right the ship, or is Maryland going to hand Ohio State a third straight loss? I think Maryland's going to win. They look great over the weekend. That's as well as we've seen Maryland play pretty much all season uh, that went over Indiana. They absolutely hammered them. Uh, Ohio State is a little lost right now without Kyle Young. Uh, you know, he's not the savior by any means, but there's a domino effect by him not being on the court. 
And EJ Liddell and, and Caleb Wesson got in foul trouble against Wisconsin, and that hurt. They didn't have that other big, uh, that third big to complement those other two. So, uh, you know, I, and I like the matchup with Anthony Cowan versus DJ Carton, the experience there with the Terps and at home. So I'm going Maryland. All right. Later that night, Kentucky at Georgia. Georgia's coming off a gutsy win at Memphis. Can they make it back-to-back wins over ranked opponents? Wow, I've gone back and forth on this one, Chad. Uh, your alma mater there, Georgia. That's right. Uh, I put Georgia in the power 36 after that win over Memphis. I, I just, I don't know if I have the confidence to call up with this victory over Kentucky. Uh, and I, you know, a couple hours ago before we were going to tape, I was going to go with Georgia. And now I'm going back to where I feel like just uh, Kentucky's playing some of its best basketball right now. So I'm going to go with the Wildcats to win in Athens. It's another homecoming game for Ashton Hagens. He's from the state of Georgia. Uh, how about later that night as well? You've got Baylor and Texas Tech. There's some brutal slates here for the Big 12. Uh, but Baylor starts off the week at Texas Tech. Both these teams are rolling. Texas Tech's won five in a row. Uh, Baylor's won ten in a row. Who comes out on top? Yeah, this is a ridiculous week for Baylor. Uh, and if they lose both their games, because they're going, we're going to talk about it here in a second. They're going to go to Kansas. Uh, I still think they'll contend, but to have these back to back is just absolutely brutal. Uh, and I just think Texas Tech right now has found itself. Jamias Ramsey's healthy. Uh, they looked really good over the weekend, so I'm going to go with Texas Tech at home. Yeah, they did look really good over the weekend. They smacked Oklahoma State by about 35, and that's that's a pretty decent Oklahoma State team. Now Thursday we've got Memphis at Wichita State. Uh, Memphis looked so sloppy over the weekend, which is bad turnovers, and the shot selection was horrendous. Meanwhile, Wichita's just cruising along. They've got the home court advantage. Uh, are we looking at a victory for the Shockers? I think we are. Uh, they've been sort of licking their chops, waiting for this one. Uh, you know, Memphis got all the preseason hype, then a little bit of Houston. But Wichita State's uh, as good, if not better, than either one of those teams. They can win this league. This is the kind of game that I think the, the roundhouse will be rocking. Uh, I, I think Wichita State gets them. Okay, still Thursday night. You've got number 24, Arizona, at Oregon. Nico Mannion versus Peyton Pritchard should be an excellent point guard matchup, but who comes out on top? Love this game. Uh, Arizona, you know, so many guys got walloped over the weekend. Oh, yeah. They absolutely obliterated Arizona State. Uh, Oregon bounced back after the loss of Colorado to win at Utah. Um, you know, th- these could be the two teams that vie for the Pac-12 title. Uh, I'm going to go with the Ducks at home, though. All right, I've got one game for you on Friday. Number 12, Maryland at Iowa. After that tough matchup with Ohio State, the Terps have to turn around and face the Hawkeyes on the road. Who you got coming out on top? So it's interesting here. Um, you know, I've been all over the map with Maryland a little bit. Very critical of them when they lost to Seton Hall, when Seton Hall didn't have, you know, Miles Powell or Sandro. Uh Yet they looked great, like what we all thought over the weekend. I think they go on the road and they win in Iowa City for a significant road win for the Terps. All right, good week for the Terps, according to your projections. Now, Saturday in the noon hour, you've got Ohio State at Indiana. While Indiana's win against Florida State looks better and better, they're still seeking a few more resume victories. Uh, Can they take advantage and get one here against a struggling Ohio State squad? Um... I'm not going to have as much faith as much as well as Trace Jackson Davis was playing. I don't see Ohio State completely, you know, steamrolling down a hill here. I think they got to get one of these two and the one to get is going to be at Indiana. So I've got the Buckeyes winning in Bloomington. 
All right, now the 1 o'clock game is the game that everybody's got circles. The top five matchup, we, you hinted at it, it's Baylor at Kansas. Uh, I mean, this schedule's ridiculous for Baylor, but, you know, if there's a team that can win at Kansas, I think, I think it is Baylor. Uh, but who do you have winning this tough game? So I'm going to go with Kansas, but kind of like what I said about West Virginia last week, uh, I think Kansas ends up splitting pretty much with the top three other teams. Uh, and we'll get to these during the course of the season, so you can hold me to it. I think uh, Kansas is going to lose at West Virginia, lose at Texas Tech, and lose at Baylor, but I think they hold serve against all three. Uh, so I, I got Kansas winning at Fog Allen. Yeah, it's a fair pick. Now you've got Wisconsin at Penn State. Wisconsin's got a ton of momentum, Andy. They uh, With the wins over Tennessee and Ohio State, can they add another road victory to their resume? Can they? Yes. Will they? No. Uh, because I think Penn State could be right there to finish third, possibly, in the Big Ten. They've established themselves uh, with a home court, whether it's in Happy Valley or at the Palestra. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I think Penn State gets the Badgers. The Badgers obviously had the massive win at Ohio State, our team of the week for March Madness. But um, I, I just like Penn State at home in this one. Now you've got Texas Tech at West Virginia. Similar to Baylor, really no favors for Texas Tech in the Big 12, Big 12 schedule this week. Uh, can the Red Raiders kind of cap off this tough week with a victory in Morgantown? They can, but I just love the interior of West Virginia, especially in Morgantown. Oscar Shabway, Derek Culver, uh, I think this is going to be a bloodbath. I mean, this is going to be as physical a game as we'll see over the weekend, but I got the Mountaineers winning this one. Okay, let's jump ahead to Sunday. I've got two games for you. Number eight, Michigan State at Purdue. <laughs> Michigan State's flying high after that win over Michigan, but it's no secret that winning in, in Mackey is going to be a tall task. Do you see Izzo and his squad getting this win? I do. Uh, I watched the Purdue game Sunday against Illinois. They only scored 37 points. And even though uh, you know Mackey Arena is clearly one of the toughest places for any team to go in, Purdue lacks a go-to score right now. That's right. They look a little leaderless. And think about it. The last couple of years, they always knew Carson Edwards was going to bail them out. And right now, they don't look like they have that player to do that for them. And you've got Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman playing the best basketball of the season right now, going into Mackey Arena. As tough as it is, I got the Spartans. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Purdue's got the size to, to kind of bang with Michigan State, but they certainly don't have the scoring. And then to finish off Sunday night, you've got number 24, Arizona, at Oregon State. We touched on Arizona a little bit, but Oregon State's still flying under the radar. Uh, They finally got a big win away from home by winning at Colorado. Uh, But I'm guessing there could be some extra fatigue for Arizona after coming off that game at Oregon. So who do you have winning this one? So I'm thinking big picture for the Beavers here. Um, And, you know, I I think this is going to be a turnaround weekend for them after winning at Colorado. Prior to that Arizona game, they will have played Arizona State. I think they will beat the Sun Devils. Uh, conversely, I think this is going to be a rough weekend for Arizona. As, as much as I think there's a high ceiling for the Wildcats, I think the Beavers are going to be waiting for them. Uh, Trace Tinkle is arguably one of the best scorers in the country. The way they defended Colorado late in that game to pull away in Boulder, I think gives them tremendous momentum. So if you want to call this an upset, even though it's in Corvallis, I'm going with Oregon State to hold serve at home and knock off the Wildcats. 
Yeah, I love that pick. Fifth-year senior Trace Tinkle. He knows how important this game is. Uh, but meanwhile, Andy, you've got two teams that are still undefeated in Auburn and San Diego State. So I just want to take a look at their schedule real quick and see what you think. You've got Auburn at home against Vandy on Wednesday, and then they're home against Georgia on Saturday. But you've got San Diego State. They go at Wyoming on Wednesday and home versus Boise State on Saturday. So are we looking at a 4-0 and combined week, or do you see an upset here? Well, I, I think San Diego State is going to – they're going to win their games. Um, I, you know, I, I think we're going to have to get to a point sooner than later and start thinking about whether or not the Aztecs can run the table. Uh, I mean, there are still other difficult spots, you know, on the road in the Mountain West, but they handled basically the, you know, the toughest one by winning at Utah State. And I know Utah State is not completely 100% healthy, but that was a heck of a win for San Diego State. No question. You know, I, I think they, they have a ch- really good chance of potentially running the table. For this week, I think Auburn does as well because they've got these home games against Vanderbilt and Georgia. I think they win them. So when we reconvene a week from now, I think we'll still have two undefeated teams, Auburn and San Diego State. All right, looking forward to it, Andy. We will revisit all of these picks, and we'll see how you do after a, a 9-3 and three start to 2020. we got to keep pumping that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thanks, Chad. As always, Chad uh, does an outstanding job uh, leading our ship here at March Madness. Um, you can follow all our content on all our social media handles, of course, on Twitter, Facebook, and everywhere else that you get our March Madness content and this podcast, wherever you download podcasts. Make sure you continue to subscribe. Uh, We'll be back next week. Another uh, unpredictable week, I'm sure, in college basketball. We're getting some blowouts, but also some late, late possession games and certainly some surprising results. And that's going to continue all the way through the NCAA tournament. For Chad Aycock, I'm Andy Katz. Thanks for listening. matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with american express you breeze through the card member entrance stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is gonna be good see how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with amex don't live life without it Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.